0: Good morning. It's lovely to see you all. I know it's hot and if you want a drink of water, please feel free to go to the back, get a glass of water and come back and have a drink. We don't want you to get too overheated. Now, through the whole month of August, we're doing a series about meals with Jesus. Because in the Bible, Jesus is either going to a meal, coming back from a meal or at a meal. So we thought we'd enjoy and get into the party spirit. So you've got fruit on your tables. So do enjoy that. Get into the party Party spirit. As you do that, can you get your Bibles out? Either you're on your phones, or if you need a Bible, we can get you a Bible. We're going to look at the book of Luke 14. We're going to look at Luke 14 and going to read one of the stories there. It'll be lovely if you follow it on a book or on your phone, just because sometimes God shows you something you haven't seen before. Uh, but if not, there's going to be a little video on the screen with the reading. Um, so enjoy this and listen to it. <coughs>
1: One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So, taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliating you, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous.
0: I wonder what jumped up to you. What was new? Sometimes when we read the Bible, we think, oh, I know that story, and we switch off. Now, I've got a bit of advantage. I've studied this for the week. So I'll tell you the things that st- uh, stood out for me when I was reading this passage. First of all, there's four people, four, two, well, four groups of people that Jesus interacts with in this story. Have a little think and see if you can work out who are these four people that he's interacting. We're going to do that in a minute. Actually, we'll start with the first one straight away. Did any of you spot who was the first person that Jesus noticed at this party? Now, when I go to a party, you can either go in and be the kind of person who sets the room out, isn't it? You go and chat to one person here, walk around, chat to the next person, and you kind of walk in the room, making sure you say hello to everybody. I wonder what Jesus did. Did he do that? Or was he the guy who stands by the wall and just watches everybody, holds a drink in his hands and watches everybody, how they're enjoying the party? We're not told what Jesus did, but we are told that Jesus observed quite a few things. And it's important that we observe things too in our lives. Now, the first thing he he observed or the first thing he noticed was the ill person. Interesting, eh? It doesn't say that he straight away saw the host and, you know, made himself noticed there or an important person. The first person that we hear about is the the person who's ill. And the illness this guy this person had was that the body couldn't retain too much water it just had too much water all over the place couldn't get rid of it um and jesus just says he wants to heal this guy but he knows that in the culture he's in there's some certain rules they were celebrating the sabbath which is a day of rest a day of relaxing remembering where all the good things come from from god and just enjoying company and friends that's why he was at a party it was a sabbath but with the Sabbath there were some rules. And Jesus knew there were some rules. And at the party, there were the best people who could explain to him what the rules were. There were the teachers of the law, the Sabbath Pharisees and Sadducees. They knew a lot. So he turns around to them and says, Is it okay to heal on a Sabbath? Because you guys know the rules. And what did they what did the reading happen? He went quiet, didn't it? They didn't answer his question. I wonder if they didn't answer the question because it was a really tough question, you know? We need to go and study it a bit more. There's so many bits in the Old Testament we need to tally together to see whether actually healing on a Sabbath is allowed. Was it that? Or was it that they felt it would be really callous? Because if they said actually, no, you're not allowed to heal on a Sabbath because that is work, that sounds really mean, doesn't it? So to answer that question, "Mm, I'm not going to do that because that sounds mean. So they answer with a silence. Our silence can speak volumes. So at that point, Jesus turns around to the guy who's ill and heals him, just like that, and sends him on his way. I love to think that he was one of their servants that has been hanging around all this time with his illness, serving them, and they did nothing for him. And Jesus, the first time he sees him, heals him and sends him on his way. Now, of the four groups of people that interact with Jesus at that party, this guy is the only one that we know for sure left a changed person, which is quite a nice challenge. Now the second person or the second group of people that Jesus um, went to after he healed the guy, he then turned around to those, these people of the law, these teachers of the law, these religious leaders. And he says, guys, if your child had fallen in a, in a pit or if your animal, your pet or your working animal had got hurt, would you have said, sorry, guys, that's work, that's got to wait till Monday? Would you have even stopped to think, guys, if you had a loved one that got hurt, would you stop to think and say, Can I, am I allowed to work today? So he's challenging his, the, the way they are thinking. Now, I've got a lot of sympathy with these teachers of the law. Because I think they were trying to explain how to understand the Bible, how to understand this Sabbath day. What's the best way to keep the Sabbath? It is hard to find out how how does God want me to live my life? It is tough. So it's quite nice when people say, well, actually, if you go to church every Sunday, that's really good. And if you get involved, that's really good. And if you give money, that's really good. Because you feel you're getting brownie points. I had a time in my life when I did that. I even bought a book about how to know I'm a great disciple of Jesus. And I was feeling like, yeah, I do that, yeah, I do that, yeah, I do that. And I suddenly realized, Wendy, you've stopped listening to God and you just want brownie points to make yourself feel good. And I feel that that's what's happened here. On the Sabbath, they forgot, they had rules, they meant well, but it got twisted in the end and they forgot what the real Sabbath was there for. So those are the two that we're going to do. Now, if you're like me and you're a bit fidgety, Um, On your plate on your table. There's some little plates like this now Sabbath is a day for party time So if you want to draw some fruits on here uh, I'm sure you can do better than me or you want to enjoy the fruits at the table. Please do that and enjoy that so we're gonna move on then to the third uh, Group of people now before we do the third group of people we are going to watch hold on. I'm getting lost on my notes (laughs) Is that a video now? Oh no, sorry. We're way before the video. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Going back to the attitudes that we have to our society. Now, the, the Pharisees were trying to do what was right for their people. And in our lives, we're trying to do what's right too. And sometimes we get confused between what society is asking us to do and what God is asking us to do. And sometimes society speaks louder to us. It's important to get an education. If you have an education, you're really valued and you're important. If you have good income, you're really valued and important. What does Jesus tell us? That when we take care of our neighbors, we're really valued and important. When we look care for the poor, we're really valued and important. There is a discrepancy between what society is telling us and what the Bible tells us. And if we're not careful, we're going to be carried with it. So, on your tables, there should be a a piece of paper that's got two columns. On one side, we have what my society values, admires, and seeks to achieve. And on the other side, it says what God's kingdom's values are, and what does he admire, and what does he seek to achieve. So, I know it's a bit hot. We're going to try and do a bit of thinking. So, pick up a piece of paper there and try and think, okay, what does society value, and what do... Uh, that the Bible says we should value you got two minutes on the clock so one is recapping the guy who was poorly Jesus made well the people who knew all about the law Jesus challenged and said do you really know about the law and do you really know what it means and now we're gonna go to the rest of the people at the party and Jesus turns to them and has something to say to them so we're gonna watch a video of another interpretation of what jesus is telling the guests at the party so let's enjoy this video
2: and those who who came to the dinner were trying to sit near the head of the table he gave them this advice if you are invited to a wedding feast don't always head for the best seat Then you shows up. The host will bring him over to where you are sitting and say, "Let this man sit here instead." Uh, here? And you, embarrassed, will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. <laughs> Do this instead. Start at the foot of the table. And when your host sees you, he will come and say, "Friend, we have a better place than this for you." Thus, you will be honored in front of all the other guests, for everyone who tries to honor himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be honored.
0: So, humble ourselves, that's what Jesus is telling us. Now, when I was preparing this talk, I was thinking, actually, what would make me want to be at the top table? What reasons would make me want to be at the top table? And then it made me think about, in the English culture, we don't have this real problem of fighting for the top table because you've got to weddings, you've got the place, you know, you got your name in the right place, so you know whether you're important or not if you're sitting at the top. And if you're way at the corner, you think, oh my goodness, I'm not so important. Anyhow, it works for us here in England. Every culture has a different way of doing that. But I was trying to work out what makes me want to be at the top of the table? What makes me want to be in the middle of the action? What makes me want to be in the center of being valued? Now, when I was thinking about at, a, at a party, well, the food is good. If you're at the top table, you get first, first the bits at the food, maybe the drink. Also, if you're at the top table, you're with the most important guests, the interesting people to talk to. Also, if you're at the top table, You are seen to be important by everybody else. And also, you know that you're really valued, aren't you? Because you're at the top table. Now, Tim wants me to do some interactive stuff here. Do I do it or not? I can't do this. I'll keep keep to my notes. Um, Now, it made me think, Okay, those are the reasons why we want to be at the top table. But if we look deeper down, what motivates me? What makes me think it's important for people to see me with the right crowd? What makes me think it's important that I get the best food? What makes me feel that I should be center of attention? And when I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, it's that need to be special, loved and belonging. And we all have that need. It's not wrong to have that need but we need to recognize that that can't be filled by being top of the table. I know society tells us that if you've got the right car, if you've got the right clothes, if you've got the right education, if you've got the right income, you're at the top of the table and you'll be special and loved. But the reality is that God is telling us that doesn't really count. What counts is who you are in me. What I think of you really counts. That's what's important in your life. And that's what's going to hold you the whole way through. So, if you know that God loves you, if you know that you're special in His eyes, if you know that He made you just the way you are, if you know that He's by your side helping you in every trial, in everything that's going on, you can be really strong. And actually, the fact that you're not center of attention doesn't matter. You know you are center of attention on God and that's the one that matters. So where are our values? Where are our motives? Really important that we think about that and keep that close to us. Now, in this story, it was all about, you know, go to the bottom of the, of the pile and then you'll be brought up. Humble yourself and then you will be brought up. Now, if you feel loved and special, you have no problem being at the bottom of the pile because you're, not, you're loved and special is when you're not loved and special that you're fighting and thinking I need somebody to make me special so go to Jesus and find out that you are amazingly special and that will really help you now we're gonna do a little bit of an activity we're gonna do a musical chairs we're gonna play the game musical chairs but before you panic I've done a risk assessment on it and I know you can't run around where you're sitting So we're going to play the conga. conga? Anyhow, and you're going to dance on the spot. Okay, you're going to dance on the spot. And the game is last one sitting down when the music stops is out. Let me explain. We're going to have music on. You're going to boogie on down to the music on the spot, guys. Don't don't go rolling around on the spot. And as soon as the music stops, you've got to sit down. Last one standing is out. Okay, ready, on your feet. And here comes the music. You're not allowed to go running, guys. Hiya! Not nice being the last one standing, isn't it? We all were very quick at this. And it doesn't feel so good when you lose, does it? Now, we're going to play the game again. So the music's going to play, you're going to dance again. But this time, we're going to have a servant attitude. So pretend you're (laughs) the host and you're welcoming your guest, and you're saying, please do sit down, please do sit down. Now, as you point to the person, the person you point to has to sit down. But if you get pointed to first, you gotta sit down first, okay? <laughs> so the, the challenge is, can you point to everybody on your table and get them seated down before he, they point to you? Get the idea? Right, on your feet.
2: Everybody can
0: some of you forgot you had to show people down to your chairs. That is so great. You've played this game so many times, you know. Now this is, I love it because I was gonna say, isn't it nice to be able to sit everybody down and if you're the last one standing you don't care because you've just said everybody sit down. But some of you are so into sitting down. And it reminds societies like that, isn't it? If we don't check our motives, we, be, we end up doing what we didn't plan to do. And in here, it's just a laugh, but in in real life, it might take us places we don't want to be. So, three people. The person who was ill got healed. The religious leaders got questioned on their attitudes and motives on keeping the law. And we need to think about ourselves. What are some motives and attitudes about why we keep the law? And how do we judge other people who don't keep that law? And most important is, you know, when I break the law, I'm really soft on myself. And I say, oh, well, you know, I was having a bad day. I wasn't feeling good. Oh, you know, the motive behind it was right. When I break the law, I'm soft on myself. What do we think about that? Have a little think on that one. But now we're going to talk about the host. The last person that Jesus talked to was the host. And he turns around to him and says, you know what? When you invite people, you invite people who are going to be really nice to you, who are going to invite you back. Who actually like being with you and things like that and he actually turns around and says actually you need to invite people who cannot invite you back so invite people that cannot invite you back and actually your reward will be amazing because Jesus God's gonna be your reward now when I started preparing this I wrote down a list of reasons why I wouldn't invite socially unacceptable people to my home or reasons why I haven't this is terrible Reasons why I haven't invited socially unacceptable people to my home. So I wrote quite a lot of excuses. I did have in there some genuine reasons why I shouldn't and I should be careful. Quite a long list and I felt like, oh good, you know, I'm I'm kind of justifying myself here. And then God told me and says, Wendy, think of a really important person that you'd like to know. Miles away from here, you don't know anything about them, but you're interested in this person. Now look at all those excuses and all those reasons you gave why you couldn't invite a a person who was socially unacceptable and compare it to those. And you know what I found? The excuses and the reason would, would hit that person too. But I was happy to push all of that because I wanted to get to know this person better. And he challenged me and he said, okay, My attitude here needs to change, my attitude needs to change, I need to get to know people regardless of their social status, regardless of whether we got a lot in common. So a real challenge to us, are we inviting people into our homes, are we spending time with people um, that we may see maybe a bit below us, maybe they can't repay us, whatever the reason really important Jesus is challenging us, challenging the host, to welcome those who can't repay you. Now, the final irony was that the Sabbath is a day of equality, spending time together, being loved and cared. And Jesus, as an observant at that party, didn't see that at all. I wonder what Jesus sees in our homes or in our coffee shops when we invite people out. Does he see acceptance and love and care? I don't know where you are now. I don't know whether you're hurting and you're like the ill person, doing your stuff, going in day in, day out, hurting big time, and Jesus wants to heal you. And he really wants to do good stuff in your life. Is he going to heal you and send you on your way? Or are you like the religious leaders trying to work out, I know my stuff but actually not thinking the motives behind your stuff and does it really work and is it really of God? Or are you like the host just inviting the people that it's cool to invite? Or are you like the guests, trying to get noticed and have the best seat in the house? Tim is going to do an activity now to help us think on all these things.